and so is their city. This is a very personal song, so if the viewer cannot understand it, particularly those of you who are European residents, save up all your bread and fly Translove Airways to San Francisco, USA. And get a shot! Maybe you'll understand the song. It will be worth it. If not for the sake of this song, but for the sake of your own peace of mind. Vaccinators only, please. Yeah, it's Butler. Strobe lights beam, creates dreams. Walls move, minds do too. On a warm San Franciscan night. Old child, young child, feel alright. On a warm San Franciscan night. Yeah, we've had a couple of those. Actually, it's been chilly. Um, windy. This is our windy time. A lot of folks don't understand why it's uh, it's cold here because we're surrounded by water, people. How you doing? Long time no talk to. Um, not that long. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, I'm pretty shocked to see my numbers on my podcast, but thanks. I couldn't really get into it, and that's kind of why I stepped away with the else, is because I got tired of showing you a empty city and we had that little ethnic problem that uh, a lot of us weren't happy with we being San Francisco whenever I talk about we you know it thus are coming back um, numbers are starting to rise trucks are starting to roll in the middle of the night meaning when I say trucks supply trucks which means I don't have to go wander like I used to. A lot of people have asked me, and my buddies, we all laughed because we understood. When the pandemic hit, and everybody went away, which they should have, these streets were beginning to be taken over by street folk. They had free run of everything. They just thought, Shangri-La, ba 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 ba, And uh, I just wasn't going to let a bunch of riffraff have, destroy, screw up what needed to be here for everybody now. That, you know, kind of my karma payback a little bit for us electing uh, uh, the orange face devil. Um, we're not even going to go there. I have already officially apologized on behalf of all the boomers, but we weren't going to elect Hillary. We just weren't. And we all looked at each other in the face. We didn't talk about it. We said the same thing. We poured the lever. Oh, how bad could he be? Again, we're sorry. So, you see what I've been posting. And there's absolutely no way that I could do any form of justice to the summer of love, Jimi Hendrix, and what went on here in 67. Now, I kind of have a close connection, and you all know that. And I'm dancing around because I have discussed what I'm allowed to say and not supposed to say, so I don't want any weird questions. <laughs> 67 was one year long. And it started, and nobody knew really what the end game was going to be. But now, I see my demographics. And I know I got my old folk, and for some reason, my kids love me. No. So, you Gen Z generation, I'm talking to you. And you millennials never listen anyway, but 
dad's going to spill it and try and paint exactly what was going on. And y'all are going to go, well, wh what does that matter? Yeah. In Haight-Ashbury, in the year of 1967, was the beginning of human rights. Now our black brothers had been working on it since, oh my God, like the 20s, 1920, there was the, big, the, the Harlem riots, but it got in earnest in the 50s. And by that we mean Rosa Parks and the Brown Brown situation where, hey, we can go. That was in earnest when our fellow civil Americans wanted what is rightfully everybody's right that breeze under the sky and we have been working on this now for uh well let's like i said the brothers so 50 it's 2020 y'all think we can get done now really kind of blows my mind and you know i'm sorry folks i had been trying to figure out exactly which direction to go that's the problem with podcasts and why i had people kept saying oh i'm gonna do this do more 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 i had to have a direction um and I've always been kind of very opinionated around my world. But usually I have always kept my head down because I've always been the boy behind the band and next to the stage. And don't want to rile anybody. Don't like to be known for anything. So your opinion is your own. You practice it vehemently. But when it comes to something like this, y'all know this is my very first social media. And I only did it and I did this was COVID. And who the hell would have thought I would have ended up with what we got going on now. So that's kind of the paramesis for the show, guys. Um, and there was just no way I was going to be able to do that series. Everything I play, everything I talk about, everything that actually is, was, and will be happened in the year of 1967 in San Francisco, California. I wish I was homebound Home, where my thoughts are skipping home Where my music's playing at home Where my love lies waiting silently for me Silently for me Yep, that was Simon and Garfield. They, they, they were around, and they played. So, let's see if the old man can paint you a little picture. Now, you know, it's foggy here in San Francisco, and you're all welcome to get foggy right along with me. And anybody that knows me and has followed me and seen me live or talked to me, we know exactly what I'm talking about. So, we're going to go back to President Kennedy. You heard Kennedy. He had a thing called Camelot, and it was considered a period in time of our country's history that it was Camelot, baby. It was just everything was the bomb. Well, it was if you were a white man. <laughs> um, he was shot. I don't know if you heard about that. There was this little thing brewing back then called the Vietnam War, and he campaigned on not getting involved and then he kind of got sucked into it 
Now, this is against North Vietnam and South Vietnam. And the whole reason we even mess, messed with it the first time, y'all kids have heard of Vietnam War, actually the conflict, is we, being Americans, could not have communism anywhere on our planet. We had just kicked ass in World War I, World War II. We had the biggest cojones in the world. Uh, we had just kind of semi-bitch slapped Russia around. But there was a guy, uh, an agent, that was just an agent. His name was Vladimir Putin. And he started out in Russian CIA. And he saw us twist the knife in. Reagan took down Russia with oil. And a lot of other things, but Putin lived through that. He got a hold of the country. And do you all think he's ever going to let go of the country? Shit, we knew that when he got a hold of it. So the thing about being old and the thing about history is we've been around. We've watched it. We're not waiting for it to happen. So I'm sharing this from my standpoint. And I guess if I'm going to have to do this show, like so many has insisted, I'm going to have a direction. I'm just not going to fly around. I mean, I know I like to entertain, but we're going to get a little serious. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it for a reason. And y'all have given me some real grief over some of those that I posted, but I am what I am. You don't put a damn bike on the street. You don't put those lift things near me. I will pop the tires. I do have my... You all seen it. Smile right at you and pop them. You can smile right at me and right up my butt. I actually got this girl. You all know where I live. Big old intersection. And she comes right across against the light on one of those lift bikes. I'm standing every sidewalk in San Francisco has a depression for a wheelchair. And I'm standing in that depression waiting for the light. She comes dead at me. I'm not moving. She gives me a big smile, almost hits me, turns around, parks the bike maybe 20 feet from me next to the Muni. Thank God the Muni's open. And I turn around and smile, walk right up. I have my little, you know what I have on me. I pop the tires right in front of her. Should have seen her face. This is the same corner, by the way, that about two weeks ago, yeah, about two weeks ago, I was viciously attacked from behind at about oh, 7.30 in the morning. Um, on my way home, picking up trash, there was a bunch of homeless, like five or six, right at Safeway. And this has always been a problem there, um, just the way it is. And there was a bunch of pigeons on the other side of these guys. And I stepped through them. And not viciously, you know you know me. I stepped through them and I threw something at the pigeons. I'm like, get out of here, you flying rats. I just, you know I'll hate pigeons. So I'm walking forward to pick up this little thing I threw in the middle of the pigeons. And out of nowhere, I am propelled, violently shoved from behind. I spin and turn. And there's a young man that's about my size. Um little thinner, you know what I mean, I, I'm old man me, but you know, that was me back then, um, dressed well, I mean, he, he had a beautiful coat, but clearly homeless, screaming at me, now in between us lay an eight and a half inch straight blade, it was properly, you know, carried, it just was on my outside, so when he, and I mean, violently popped me to the ground, y'all know I have a little balance, knife comes on lodge, he... I looked at it, looked at him, and knew he was closer. So he got possession of the knife. I informed him he better give me my property back. 
And then it got a little weird. And uh, he was first going to put it over here. And then his buddy got involved. There was five of them. And again, seven in the morning. Busy intersection. Uh, but not full of life. And everybody's like, ah, you know, looking. I myself personally didn't see any help. Um, wasn't going to count on any. I didn't have my staffs with me. Because I had just went down to smoke a little clouds and, you know what I mean, do my little 420 roll, pick up some trash down near that corner I hang out a lot where they used to have a gas station and a very favorite rock. You've heard that story, right? A lot of memories. Um, and so I just rolling home. Last thing, and I have never really feared of having somebody come up behind me like that. So... We're dancing pretty good, meaning I'm maneuvering and he's talking. And I've got, I don't know, four or five people probably, oh, I want to say 25 yards from me on the other side of the major intersection. They are working outside, working out outside. And then a few other people scattered around. And one thing you'll know about San Francisco, I'm probably the only one that'll step up and go. Um, everybody else pulls out their phone or they go, oh my God, it's, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know me, I'll get involved, especially if I have something like that. But anyway, so now we're dancing, meaning I'm trying to avoid this knife getting too close to me as he is now coming at me with it, informing me I need to get off the street and never come here again. And he's going to this, he's going to come to that. And um, I informed him the police were on the, you know, I was going to call the police and da da da. So I got F about the police, which is always the most scariest because. They hate themselves so bad. And this is a rule of thumb, folks. The really violent, the ones that are scary, they're not the druggies. And he was probably spun a little bit. But they resent their lives so much, it doesn't matter to them. They want to be hurt. And they will take you or hurt you with them. And that is the biggest divide that I can give you in 40 years of doing security and blah, blah, blah. It's being able to tell who really is scary and who isn't. So I made him chase me around the Muni thing. Now, the Muni thing is our underground, and it's a big, and you'll see, you've seen it in the thing. We covered him up, and we're talking like you can't get around. You, there's no way he could run fast enough to catch me and couldn't get over the top of it at me. Um, I definitely was keeping an eye on his five buddies because if anybody would tried to cut me off, at this point it could have got really weird. Uh, I had now regained possession of the knife and uh, I won't tell you how uh, anyway I have my property back on me we have now semi split up he now knows I am calling the I have called the police I've got the other phone out the police roll up about nine minutes now if you're in San Francisco folks you better take care of yourself because they strictly put a ticket on top of you um my knees are, were ripped to pieces. Uh, the violent... I'm an old man. That's how I got the blood clot. Um, and so they asked for my name and da-da-da. And didn't think anything of it. Yes, bring an ambulance. and Yeah, I'll talk to ambulance because they were being kind of douchey. I knew about five of them. <laughs> you know me. So the ambulance rolls up and we're talking and it takes them probably nine minutes max to 
go through what they're having to do, they were moving it right along. Naturally, the guy that pushed me and everybody else and blah, 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 see nothing, even though there's cameras everywhere. And I mean, this was a good looking, uncivil individual. And yes, I haven't put any type of description other than civil or uncivil. Now, if I was talking to a police officer, I would give the description of a six foot three, very well trimmed and coated black man that appeared to be homeless in the 170 to 190 pound range. And that's the last time I will ever give that ethnic of a description ever. And that's the only time we're supposed to, to the police officer. Other than that, they are a male and they were civil and uncivil. And this male coming up and pushing a 60 plus year old man to the ground, chasing him with his knife and screaming and yelling, was very uncivil. The cops gave me a little number, you know, told me to call the city, and they said, now, have we satisfied you to all of your, well, yeah, thank you. Great. You're now under arrest. And they cuffed me. I mean, this boy moved so fast. I mean, I was I would never anyway, but he hooked me up hard. And this is one of the guys I had to deal with. And uh, I went to city jail after I had called the police to report a violent crime that involved a knife. You intrigued yet? Yeah. I'm getting up to the summer love. Maybe. So, somebody had busted a window out of a muni bus. And they heard it was a big white guy that knew what he was doing. And this is, this is the cops. And they all kind of know me. No pictures. And that was the description. Anyone know who this is? That's Canned Heat. They played at the Monterey Pop Festival. There was a lot of great names. There was a lot of people for the first time the Monterey Pop Festival. So I got hooked up and charged with a felony, vandalism, blah, blah, blah. By the time I got downtown, the charge had been changed to misdemeanor. And the weirdest... Charging rights I've ever said like there was no warrant for my arrest. This just happened right then and there. And like I said, they recognized me out of the five that showed up, three of them knew me. Um, so it was very perplexing. So I went to I went to city jail and spent the night. And we know I've done that before. And get out the next day and uh, have asked a few questions. And uh, it's been very bizarre. Uh, I have bumped into the gentleman that pushed me to the ground twice. Uh, the first time I called the police, SFPD. Not the same guys that arrested me. He was down a little lower in the city. They didn't come back up here, any of the five. 
And uh, I called the police and I waited for 27 minutes. And when they arrived, they looked at me and smiled and kept driving. Just waved. Kind of like, oh, how you doing? Never stopped. So the second time within a few days, because this boy was this man. I did not say that, but yeah, I'm an old man, an old white man. As soon as his boomers are gone, all that racist crap. And it wasn't racist. It's just in my mind, but that's not the, this uncivil man. Very easy to find. It's a small town. Okay. Just like I'm easy to find. I'm very easy to find in San Francisco. Trust me. Ask around. You've seen one of my 600 videos. Um, how'd you like to be in the neighborhood I've lived in for a while? Yeah. So anyway, our block's really nice. I get out. It's been dropped to a misdemeanor. Now, what makes this so important? Never in a million zillion years do we take anybody to jail on a misdemeanor. <laughs> Not in San Francisco. You can steal $950 worth of stuff out of our anything. And it's a misdemeanor. And we do not take people to jail on misdemeanors. Yeah, I kind of went a little left, didn't it? Create a really bad situation. Now, in January, and that situation started this year. What year? 1967. So Kennedy's been assassinated, and we now have another president that's walking us into Vietnam because we can't have communism. And he, he is Mr. Johnson. He inherited, you know, the situation when Kennedy got shot. Now, Kennedy was rumored to be pulling out of Vietnam and wasn't getting, getting involved. There's a lot of rumors swirling around why President Kennedy got shot. Who shot him? And the motivation. I guess the bottom line being, you can't have Camelot unless everybody kind of helps. And it was kind of a feeling in America. I was a really small kid, but I've heard my parents and uncles a million times. It was a feeling. It was before, oh, it was before the scandals of the cheating and the um, quiz shows. And before Vietnam as it built up. Vietnam was a, a, a military action. It wasn't a war. World War I, World War II, we were fighting the enemy for our way of life. The Vietnam conflict, we were down there pushing our ideals around because we were the all great mighty United States. And up until this point, the way we have handled conflict is we just take our finest, brightest, and bravest you know, the 18 to 21-year-olds that y'all been down making money back then. You know, you coders, you know, that spent more money on sushi and now you're living back at home. Well, if you were born back in the day, we would have happily thrown you on the front lines and had you slaughtered. Now, I want you to think about that a minute, people. That's how the United States, up until 1967, handled the Vietnam thing. We had a thing that was called the draft and you signed up, your number got called, you kissed your mama goodbye, you shook your daddy's hand, and then you had a 40-60 chance of coming home. Why? Because you always grab the 18 to 20 year olds. They're the strongest, they're the most healthy, and they're the dumbest. 
They're the most patriotic. They're the ones that will do whatever you tell them to do. And that's exactly how Mother Nature called the herd. Now, we haven't had war like that, even though the conflicts in the Middle East and whatnot. We haven't had that type of a war now in many, many moons. We only have so many resources. Now, I'm not saying COVID was... I don't know. I, I'm not going to go and open that fish. I want to see the irrevertible proof it didn't come out of you know where. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been very, very, and I never called it that name. And you know the whole thing, me in Chinatown, and I've been looking, and I would never say that. But I really want to know where it came from. So we had to call them, you know, thin the herd. So what? We've lightened ourselves by, what, 650,000 grandparents that won't be home next year. We know what's going on in Brazil. We know what's going on in India. But we're talking about 1967. So in 65, 66, the band started to matriculate. And what do I mean by the bands? You know, Jerry, Janice, the Jefferson Airplane. Big Brother was coming around. Now, nobody knew who these people were. My uncles were... Well, let's put it this way. The main bike club started in San Bernardino in 48, and they opened this fine establishment, a group of young men, in 1952. The headquarters were bought over there at 719 Asbury not long after that. They were here long before the dad. Um... So you now have all these bands zoning kind of in. And Hay was always kind of a bar liquor area. And that's where my family had been ages and ages ages. And it was a party spot. They're like bars and lively. And, and then it was in an economic downturn. And 65 rolls around. And Jerry Garcia has been kicked out of the army. He had been kicked out of anything he's ever done. He what was known as incorrigible. Native, born right here. Meaning kicked out of high school, kicked out of the military, kicked out of you name it, he was kicked out of. But he was a very, very accomplished banjo player. And he matriculated to this 45 or 25 square blocks down here in the Haight around 65 and actually his parents had moved down south he hated it he got caught stealing a car coming up here uh, he was in a real bad accident and he was given a choice go to the military or go to prison he went to the military and they could only take so much of him they kicked him out he ended up in the Haight met a guy by the name of Phil Lesh that was kind of living the dream meaning the hate dream and that was the beginning of what you know as Grateful Dead. 66 rolls through. And in 67, right after the first of the year, posters started popping up about a bee-in. Going to be on the 14th. Why don't you come join us for the BN? And you go look at my last TikTok, 
And you will see that poster, and you will see it's a human being in. We're going to discuss that in a minute. That's can heat. So, it wasn't publicized. I mean, and all the groups playing, nobody heard of them. You might have heard of them. Janice and the Dead. And, oh my gosh, go look at who was on the list. But in 1967, January 1, nobody knew who these people were. Now, at the same time, on the other side of the pond, there was... A young man playing with the Isley Brothers, and he was very, very talented. Hadn't broken in over here, but he was definitely on the radar, on the rise, and around all the right people, 64, 65, 66. An amazing guitarist. Of course we know who I'm talking about. So we now have a festival, and it's not about the music. It's not about the doors, or the doors. It's not about the dead. It's not about Janice. It's not about. It's about human and civil rights. Now, let me try and get this into your head. I want you to picture this. Now, the old folks, we can picture it. Now, this is for the Gen Xers and for the millennials. Mainly Gen Xers, because it's going to be you and it's going to be the extra, or the, yeah, the Xers above you. That's going to fix all this with Miss Harris. I'm sorry, millennials. We effed you up. I take, you know, we take, we, we get it. We screwed you up. It is what it is. So Gen Z and Xers, you're going to have to fix this. But you have to listen. And we need to move forward, people. Please. Anyway, you know me. Get off on a tangent. But that's what the, that's the whole 67 was about. That's what the being was about. It wasn't about, well, drugs are part of it. But if you look at that. There were no civil liberties. You were white, right, and had a wonderful life. You couldn't be gay because that's illegal. Yes, it was illegal. Well, and, you know, the black folk are over there. Yeah, folks, 1967. They used the N-word for real all over the country. But the movement had started in the 50s. There was a group of people called the Diggers. And they headed and landed around 66. They were true anarchists. They were absolutely what they were into. Destruction of the government. Nobody has to pay for anything. Free everything. And uh, they would go out and they were street performers that didn't know do overly well. But one of the guys did by the name of Cooper. And he bought a house, and I'm going to show it to you eventually over there on TikTok. I had described to it in this last go-around. But he bought a house and turned it into the first communal kitchen. Um, and then the, they, the diggers are absolutely credited with the, the free medical clinic. Now, the gentlemen, the guys in the diggers, would go out and get a hold of the meat 
and get they would how how did they put it I, they would uh, you know however get their hands on whatever you know levitate whatever they needed for that day's meals for the free meals to give away and it would be brought back to the kitchens to all the women and uh, it was widely overheard down there well all they should do is sit around upstairs and do drugs and we work our butts off and they cooked meals and meals and meals and they didn't dare open their mouths except to themselves women wore bras if the little woman got out of line she could get a little smack the kids were expected to listen and say sir and well you know it's just black people well oh no those those stay over on that side 1967 absolutely what was going on women had no rights gays were illegal the cops, you know, it was 80-20, it's always been 80-20. Um, but the cops were, you know, they didn't have all electronics, they hadn't, but they were white and they knew how to handle themselves. And if they caught you, they caught you. If you got away, you got away. If they brought you home, you'd get your ass kicked twice. Everybody knew everybody. And our police officers were right on the block. We knew them all. And... My uncles being who they were, they knew us too. Um, it was a different time, and it was definitely a different time. And that was part of the end of Camelot, was having one of our presidents assassinated on the streets of Dallas for weird and suspicious reasons. Johnson owned a huge interest. War is always about money. And Vietnam was not about the American way. As far as I'm going to go there. So, Vietnam is now heated up. The, 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 I don't want to say the lottery. It had nothing to do with lottery. It was a lottery. But the draft, and that's what it was. Hey, but they lottery, you know, balls, they'd spin them around. They'd pull out a date. And they'd lay it up there. And if your birth date was written up on the thing that we were watching through a television. Okay, we didn't have phones. And we got text. Mothers would turn on, and my, my mother... I remember this quite well because I had older brothers. She would rush to that TV every day. I can remember it was a certain time. Now, you remember I was a little kid. This is like, you know, I let's see. They put me on Jerry's lap on 60. So this was the same time, 66, 67. She would run because it escalated. As Vietnam escalated, the draft escalated. At no time in the history of the United States had any group of people at any time refuse to honor the draft.
So a half a million men said no. We are not going to go down and register. We're not going to make you turn us into trained little killers. We're not going to let you throw my 19-year-old life in front of a gun where people are everywhere in the jungle, slip me open for the fact that you want to oppress part of these people 6,000 miles away. No, we are going to make you recognize alternative lifestyles. No, women have rights. And it's none of your effing business. No, it is every God given inalienable right to feel safe, protected, and not be persecuted by religious personal beliefs. That's what happened in 1967 in San Francisco. It wasn't just the summer love, baby. It was the beginning of everything that's happening right now. Been a flashpoint for many, many years. So now, you know the truth. Look, I'm not lying. That's what started. Go talk to Grandpa. I know you got a boomer grandpa somewhere. Go ask any old white guy. And that's why we are paying our big, big karma. Over the age of you, me. What was it like for a white dude back in the sex days? He's going to glaze over in his eyes and get this really evil smile. And please don't bitch slap us. I'm sorry. What do you want us to do? It was what it was. Um, my grandparents now, on the other hand, whew, I would go over to grandma and grandpa's house. Now, you know, all my uncles are HAs, right? Uh, the other side of the family, I'm even going to tell you they were Mormon. Um, so, but I would go over there and before I would go over there, my mother would sit me on her lap every single time. Now you're going to hear grandma and grandpa use some words. You are never allowed to use them. Now, God rest their souls. When they said them, they were talking for real. Now you absolutely black. They were very prejudiced against Asian. Why? Because my grandmother lost two boys. They were boy producers to the Asian wars. We have built our lives and our ways and our patterns and what goes on through, what, over 300 years of being free. And it really is pretty simple. But yet it's so complex. I mean, green, yellow, white, orange, gay, straight. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. Nobody's business. There's only two classes of people in, in all the world. And y'all know I've been kind of pushing on this. You're civil or you're uncivil. Not hard. 
Really isn't. It'd be really nice if we get on with it. So, all of a sudden we have this great little festival, and I highly remember this, personally, because my uncles were helping there with security, and uh, they had the be-in. And the be-in wasn't about the music. It, music was a fill. Nobody knew anybody. The be-in is about rights, about freedom, about liberty, about choice, about different sects of people. Now, did they get it all right? No, the diggers were me. Diggers were freaks. They were, oh, you know, those other guys, the anarchists. But they made the dice roll. All my are hell's angels. You know, careful what you say, bitch. You know what I mean? It's a lifestyle. San Francisco has always been. And we can get into that a long time. Why? And it all started, we have been a military port town. It's always been men and a hundred hookers. Um, always been a sausage fest family here. So in 1849, when gold was discovered, where the hell do you think they got all the men that started the gold rush? By the way, very few made a lot of money, but the first made all kinds. Story is they could walk up with a colander, you know, a spaghetti strainer, half a mile from the city of San Francisco's water and come back with gold. That's how it first started out. Well, all the sailors were guys from all around the world. And again, a hundred hookers. And they just walked away up into the mountains. Now, as it got worse and harder to find gold, they go out farther and farther and farther. Well, these men would go out friends and they would come home buddies. And San Francisco has always looked the other way. True story. It's called arms. And we started back then. It doesn't matter as long as you're not hurting anybody else. What matters? Are you civil? Are you uncivil? That's it. And you see uncivil going on. It's your civil job for the right to vote, to step up. Don't pull your freaking camera out. Help the individual, for God's sakes. Feel free to pick up a little trash, people. It doesn't pick up itself. And it shows you respect the men and women that do. Ever heard a man by name Otis Redding? He was introduced to the Monterey Pot Festival. Now we're in to the third week of 1967. We've had our be-in, and it was a very unique event. 
Now the diggers had sponsored. They 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 supported. They supported the BN, but they had their own thing in mind. They were not very big fans of the hippies. In fact, the diggers signaled the end of the summer of love by staging death to a hippie and burying them. A box, obviously, but symbolic. The hippies killed the diggers' ideas. Because um, we all know what hippies are. Diggers were prosperous, but they had a plan and motivation, and they were anarchists. Hippies were a little more burned out than that. Um, but they were together in the beginning. Now, the HAs, the Hells Angel Association, these nice young men, were involved in a few things, you know, as bike clubs were back then. But what the Hells Angels did on January 14th, while they were holding the bee-in, was entertaining small kids until their mothers could find them. And I know that story is 1,000% true. I want that to sink in. Yeah, it's the sound of cloudy in the city. So now you have the diggers who are the anarchists. You have the Hells Angels who are basically a bicycle club that, uh, you know, uh, had agendas in their own world. Well, of course their interests lie in chemical financing. Come on, they're selling harder drugs. Marijuana was always around. Um, nothing wrong with a little party, as you know, can't say that on TikTok, but it sure gets cloudy here a lot. Y'all know that. Smoke pot, folks, have a much better life. And we'll discuss that other shit they've let on the streets. That's another thing. I, I just, I, you know, how do I do this? Because you know I love the Asian people, but I truly believe China has used this crap they say is heroin much stronger. Um, oh, my God, whatever they call it. Um, you know, I get so mad every time I think about it. Not horrible. That's me smoking my end of the world. But fentanyl. If you would see what's going on in the streets of San Francisco, come on, you know me, you see my hair down in my butt. I've rehabbed quite a few people off the white. I personally went the Pablo direction back in the day. You cannot wean somebody off this fentanyl. You can't take them through detox after they have hit like I want to say 30 days, I think what the number is. Seriously, I have tried several times, different situations. Can't. I know what withdrawals look like. And I know when it looks like they need to go. I've had friends. I've had friends that didn't know they were addicted to painkillers. And he was in the military. Uh, but this, what they're doing to the kids, if you saw this in action, 
Well, we won't discuss that in this podcast. But that has to be fixed. There's a guy lived right next door to me. And I'm talking right next door, 10 feet away. And, you know, you know me, I'm kind of an asshole. And, but I watch and I, you know, something went down. I'm the first one. I got food stored for everybody when the big one hits. And, you know, waved and I am what I am and they are what they are. But lived in close proximity to this man for five years, four or five years. He laid on his bed, dead, for three days before somebody smelled him, one of the maids, and opened the door and they took out the body. I found out by another young man, a gentleman that lives, nice guy. He really don't like me much. But he's lived up here, he's been up here longer than I have. And you know me, I get a little loud and play my music back and go through my world. And he knocked on my door and delivered the news. And I'm still, you can tell, I'm still laid on the bed, died alone. Well, naturally, nobody wants to tell anybody. Nobody really knows. But I dug up a little bit down through the, the, the and asked this and that. And it's not hard to ascertain. And I, my best guess, I'm going to, because he's a young man. He was a young man. He was, it couldn't be 40. Opiates. I do. I truly believe that. because, And what confirmed it when I finally got to a point where I somebody could actually tell me, well, he had a stomach condition. Anytime somebody that vagueish, it's what those pills do to you. Horrible. It's a scourge. These kids start smoking that crap in, in aluminum foil. And it's not the pills. They, they have aluminum foil and this little thing. And they fall over. And you know what? I've always tried to keep everything really light and all the fun San Francisco, blah, blah. You know, when I'm doing all those TikToks and whatnot. Well, now everybody's back to work. We're going to probably use their invention, because they did invent phenytol, to try and fix this thing. Because I'm, going to, I'm not going to bleeding hard about it, but we're going to definitely expose it a little bit. So now we're back to 67, because 67 can't be discussed without drugs. We, and not me yet, but I did. I've done my share. But the, when I say we, I'm talking about the generation and the culture, boomers, did drugs to do drugs. You're not going to stop people from doing drugs. They're fun. But we did them to experience. Y'all heard of LSD, I'm sure. It's made a big comeback. But where do you think that got invented, people? So that party, a man by the name of Crowley, donated 75 loaves of bread so that they could feed, because that's what the diggers do. Crowley was a, considered the grandpa of LSD and the finest made to this day. And those loaves of bread were sprinkled with, I want to recall it, white something. But it was like the best dope out of the time. Now, you got to remember, I was a kid, but I was aware something was going on. Mama wouldn't let me have any sandwiches from the diggers that day. Yeah, I was living here. That was my childhood. So Arthur Crowley, who the LSD, he, he he dosed, and we didn't microdose back then. And yes, I've tripped, but not then. That was the beginning. So now it starts to pick up heat, and the music's here, and Janice, and they're getting hot. And I really remember, I remember Janice, like she liked her corner. You know, she lived in that little pink building there. Um, and she was a party girl. And you got to realize, Janice was in a world of men. 
she was voted the most ugliest male in her high school. True story. And I'll take a whole Janice thing when I do Janice. Right now we're Jimmy in 67. But uh, she was a man. And she liked women. And she liked boys too. And it was no... But she was the first... And you weren't allowed to be a lesbian then. Think about that. Not allowed. Against the law. Not, oh, you shouldn't. You fag. No. Throw you in jail. I've watched blood spilt down in the Castro for the cause of sexual identification. And that's in the last 40 years. You know that. The white night rights. So... We're rolling now, and come April-ish, the Monterey Pop Festival's on kind of everybody's lips, and this is the direction they're going. And at this time of life, Mr. Hendricks, who had been playing with, oh my gosh, the Ivy Brothers, he was catching and had caught fire, had caught fire over in England, and was hanging out with, you know, the likes of, and got... There's a thing called the um, Sergeant Pepper tours, or you know, thing where after the Beatles put out Sergeant Pepper, Paul McCartney, where they're making it in this is '67, so I guess making it, got to hear Mr. Hendrix. Now he played in one of these Sergeant Pepper things, and in the audience, the Who. Um, Eric Clapton uh, we're talking the creme de la creme of what will be the icons when they heard, first heard this black cad because he was a black cad playing an upside down left handed guitar everyone said holy shh you know what I mean holy shh that is just absolutely oh, nobody told us he was that good yeah that was Jimmy did you know that Paul McCartney insisted he get heard in America? So he headed up the Monterey Pop Festival's chair. It was no mistake. Jimi Hendrix took the stage in June of 1967. Time is but a blink of an eye. And between the first of 67 and the pop festival it was so fast and so quick that an entire generation both that was doing it and it being done to had no earthly idea that between the angels the bikers the trikers the dikers uh, they changed the world as far as we know in the United States of America. Yes, the computer was very, very important. A lot of people say that was the biggest thing to be invented or to change, and it did change us for all time and eternity. But so did the summer love in 1967 in San Francisco, California.